On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we're looking back at week number six, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. The Titans, they flex their muscles and show that Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. We've got the Chiefs with a big bounce back win, and they run all over the Buffalo Bills, and the Pittsburgh Steelers just brought their little brothers, the Cleveland Browns, back to reality. And then over in the NFC, it is still ugly. My New York football Giants finally got a win with a last-second goal line stand against the Washington football team. We're going to talk where we think those teams are going and more. Plus, it is two-a-time in Miami. We're talking what this means for the Rookie of the Year lines. Should you consider making a flyer on Tua? We're going to tell you what we think. And not to mention that we are 9-3 and three against the spread in our past two weeks making picks here at Double Down Trend. So we are hot. We got a lot on the docket this week, so stay tuned for episode number 83 of Double Down Trend. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Joining me tonight, Mr. Model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing, my friend? Ah, there are the best of times. There are the worst of times. Week six is in the books. I missed both. I guess only two out of the three had with you guys on Crossfire. Super excited to look back to see what the week that was. I guess I misspoke. Week five is in the books. We're, we're moving on to week six. Now we're moving on to week seven. Week seven. Oh, man, you guys. This is what 2020 does to you. Hey, we lose track of it. I mean, I like it. You're starting off with a Dickens quote, so it's got to be a good episode, <laughs> right? Uh, and joining us, as always, our very own NFL insider, Coulter. What's going on, bud? Oh, I'm just excited to be here. I feel like we're really hitting stride in the pod with the picks. Uh, you know, the storylines have really emerged clearly this season. And, I, you know, this week's slate, I think we last week's was a little bit below average. It missed some of those marquee matchups. Uh, I think this week's slate has plenty of them. And I think Monday night was a little bit of a letdown uh, with the Bills and, and Chiefs. That was kind of the best game. And I think it was kind of a letdown. Same with the Bucks Packers. So. Looking yeah. forward to seeing some better games this week, and I think we're we're going to get into those matchups soon. There's definitely some big ones in the AFC. Yeah, well, let's just start there because we're going to do our Week Six recap. Uh, that Chiefs and Bills game to me looked like the headliner of the week, and now I don't want to say it disappointed, but we saw a completely different game plan from the Chiefs than at least I was expecting. They ran all over the Bills. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Coulter, I want to get your breakdown because we got Chiefs, Bills, we got Steelers looking really good. We got the Titans undefeated in the AFC. Let's start with the Chiefs. Uh, do you think that game plan of establishing the run now that they're bringing in Le'Veon Bell, does this add a whole new wrinkle and still make the Chiefs the top dog in the AFC? Yeah, I think, you know, and you know this better than actually the both of us, Kaz, although Aaron and I are getting used to be having Andy Reid in our division. But I mean, Andy Reid is all about establishing the run. You know, this guy's a passing guru and he has potentially the best quarterback maybe ever on his team right now. But at the end of the day, the core principle of that guy's offense is running. Think about the Eagles, LaShawn McCoy, 
that whole offense is predicated on being able to, to ground and pound and, and duh, look at their move last week, getting Le'Veon Bell. So obviously this is an offense that knows in order to win a Super Bowl, in order to win the big games, you're going to need to do exactly what they did to Buffalo. And that is just take the wind out of their sails, control the ball. And when Mahomes needs to make a play, put the ball in his hands and he will obviously do that for you. But other than that, why force it when you've got now a two headed back field with uh, Clyde Edwards, Lair and then bell joining the company. And I don't know necessarily if bell will take over there. I actually would bet on Hilaire to be the, the main guy. I think he's got fresher legs and he's just shown more. But with that said, I think the bell signing definitely shows that the chiefs want to run. They want to run and they don't want to get into these kind of games like they had against the Raiders two weeks ago, where it's 40 to 32. They'd much, much, much prefer to let their defense, uh, you know, catch a breather and, you know, play a pretty even game of football. And that's exactly what they did against Buffalo. Yeah, I agree. And Mr. Model, you picked the chiefs last week, minus three and a half. That's a winner for you. What did you think uh, of their performance? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'd take that one to the bank every every time. Uh, closer than I expected, the Bulls, the Bills started pulling back uh, late, and that made me a little nervous. Um, but they were able to pull it out, kick Kansas City. To me, the big thing for Le'Veon Bell signing is that this is their window. This is a win that they have the championship. They have a lot of the pieces in place, and putting those two guys in the backfield to further uh, address a strength, make it even stronger for them, is just going to be something that I think will pay off dividends through the rest of the year. Um, obviously there comes with a price point uh, and maybe some stuff on the sideline, but uh, I think it'll be worth it. And having him be a dangerous weapon out of the backfield where he can catch, not only run, I think is to me is also one of the huge pluses that he brings to the team. Yeah. I mean, it's the rich getting richer. And we said that about the chiefs when they drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the, in the draft this year, that they didn't need another weapon, but they got it. And now they're getting another two way back. So I'm, I'm with you, Coulter, as well. I think we're still going to see uh, Edward Solaire still be the primary guy here. Um, but, I mean, it just doesn't hurt when you've got a guy like Le'Veon Bell now that can split some carries, take some of the weight off of him. It helps you with injuries. You know, you're, you're less likely to get a wear and tear throughout the season. Helps with injuries, absolutely. You, had, you said it best. And, I, I mean, the Damian Williams uh, electing not to play this year I thought was really going to hurt uh, KC. And for the first, you know, whatever you want to say, quarter plus of the season. I don't know if it's necessarily affected them or not, but I think in, in December and January, it would have reared its ugly head eventually that they were kind of one dimensional out of the backfield. So I think the bell signing makes so much sense. And uh, Brett beach and Andy Reed, I, I think that's the best coach GM combo in the league right now. I know a lot of people will point to Belichick being a coach GM in, in all of his own, but quite frankly, Belichick might be the better coach. He's not the better GM right now. He, that guy cannot pick in the second round. He's missed on so many receivers. Uh, you know, I don't want to besmirch the, the holy one, but right now the advantage is very much in Kansas city's favor in terms of the, the GM side of things with Brett Beach. He's doing a great job for sure. And even coaching, I'm going to give this, let's watch this transition. I actually think a Belichick disciple, Mike Vrabel and the Titans, I think Vrabel might actually have the advantage here. Some of the stuff, My man, oh, I love that the- guy. Some of the things we saw him doing with the clock manipulation at the end of the game was incredible. I don't know if anyone saw it, but he, he intentionally sent a 12th man on the field to get a penalty to stop the clock, which the announcers didn't recognize. I was watching that game. I didn't pick up on it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, how do you how do you not see that you got 12 men on the field? Well, he did it intentionally stop the clock because now in the next play, he he knows essentially that the, the Texans, the way they're playing, they're going to score. So now he saves time because the next play stops or start at a dead clock saved himself 40 seconds in that game, which would have been a run on the clock. They come down all the way into the game with six seconds left to win the game. If he doesn't do that little manipulation there, you argue they potentially lose that game. 
hats off to Vrabel. I mean, he's he's the new Belichickian wizard. I think there's a big picture thing with the Titans here that I just want to snapshot for the listeners to pay attention to and maybe just put in their pocket for next season. There is, I think, a lot to a team catching fire in the postseason and then going into that next year. And even with COVID, the Titans refuse to let this pandemic even get in their way. I mean, think of how many hurdles this team has already had to overcome in 2020, let alone not having a preseason. They have refused to let momentum slip through their hands. The only thing that this team is doing is getting better. Tannehill is a top five quarterback. Henry is playing like Michael Jordan out there. In the, like, this guy is taking over games single-handedly. I love the what I'm seeing from Tennessee. I'm feeling great about my 16-1 to ticket to win the AFC. Uh, this is my favorite team to watch on Sundays. They have just star caliber players at every level on the offense. I cannot get over the fact that the Colts were better odds to win the AFC at the beginning of the year than this Tennessee team. I mean, Tanhill versus Rivers, Henry versus Taylor, Brown versus Hilton, Johnny Smith versus whoever the hell the Colts tight end is going to be this week. Where is the advantage for Indianapolis? I just don't see it. Yeah, it is not out there. I've been thoroughly impressed and especially with Ryan Tannehill, because he has just shown that once you leave Adam Gase, you can have an entire career resurrection, which is, you know, we'll, we'll get to that too, but I'm really impressed with these guys. They've shown they can win ugly. They can win by defense and they can win in shootouts. And they, they're a team that's gotta be mentioned up there with the, the, the chiefs and the next team that we're going to discuss is the Steelers, but you gotta like what you're seeing. If you're a Titans fan. Oh yeah. And you know, they went into Baltimore last year and beat them in the postseason, So you got to feel confident about that. Uh, the one thing, you know, you don't like to see is 36 points to the Houston Texans, but I mean, I'd like to think that this is a defense that's a not fully healthy and B divisional game and C against a very desperate Houston team. So we'll see how that kind of, uh, matriculates out the rest of the season with the Tennessee defense. Obviously that's not a standout unit by any means right now, but I think they still have a lot of talented guys on there with Clowney and Baird. Um, and the rookie that they drafted last year out of uh, Mississippi state Simmons. So I think there's, there's a lot of talent on that, that side of the field and Vrabel is a defensive minded coach. So I trust him to kind of write that ship. I'm not buying too much into the Tennessee defense right now. I definitely agree with you. They're a top five team for me. Yeah. And let's not uh, overlook too. This is a Houston Texans offense. That's now free of bill O'Brien's restrictions. Okay. So now they can go out and score points. So that could be a little mix of both there. I don't necessarily think it's a, a knock on Tennessee's defense per se. Um, but let's go to the third big team. And that's the Steelers because they just absolutely bullied the Cleveland Browns back into reality. Cleveland. I mean, you just got to be pissed at yourself. You're thinking we're riding high. We're four and one. We're about to take down the Steelers. We're going to show everyone what we got this year. And holy hell did things implode. Mr. Model, you've been riding the Steelers this year. What did you make of that game? I'll admit I'm, I am five and zero oh on my Steeler picks this year. So oh, I, I have taken them four times in the pool and they've won every time. And then I've gone against them once. And sure enough, they didn't cover that time. So I feel like I am locked in on this team. I loved that game. I loved seeing them put those Browns in their place. I think Baker Mayfield uh, has a lot of holes that he was able to gloss over early in the season, but you're not going to be able to do that all year. I just think this Pittsburgh Steelers team is strong on both sides of the ball. I've been saying it from day one. I know I, I like to say it to Coulter as many times as I can get. Uh, this Steelers team is good. I'm on board. I'm going to like to see what the outcome of this game this weekend is against Tennessee where the line has shifted around and has moved some interesting ways. Yeah, I, uh, I was not shocked by that. I thought Cleveland would give him a game. I picked Pittsburgh as well in the pool. Um, 
I was surprised though, because the steel or the, excuse me, the Browns offense looks terrible. And I was, uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to say, it, but I was listening to Dan Orlovsky, who I really enjoy his NFL breakdowns right now. And he was saying that Baker Mayfield, along with a couple other young quarterbacks, they're only making the first read and they're only looking at their first read when they're lining up under center. So he's not saying that these guys don't necessarily understand the playbook. They're not going through their progressions. And I really noticed that when I went back and, and looked at some of these clips from that game, Baker is just looking straight at his first read and he's forcing throws in there. Coulter, I don't know if that's something that, I mean, you should be able to work on that, but we're in season or year three of Baker. Are you concerned with what you're seeing? Yeah, you have to, they have invested in that offense. Correct. Yep. I mean, with running back offensive line, the skill position players, they got the tight end uh, and nothing seems to be working for them. I would definitely be concerned if I was a Browns fan. It consistency seems to be the number one problem with this team. They don't have necessarily as many issues beating up and specifically Baker himself does not have problems beating up on weak teams, teams that are either trending down or, you know, are just down on their luck with injuries. He can beat those teams, but when it push comes to shove and it's a really tough game, uh, this guy struggles against the best. I mean, he, he's got him beaten horribly twice this year by the divisional opponents who are clearly superior. So, I mean, I, there's nothing you can feel optimistic about after a drubbing like that. I would say, you know, he was playing with a, you know, a significant injury. So, I mean, I think that it does factor in there a little bit, but overall just a listless performance from the Browns. You would think that Stefanski would have been able to do exactly what his former team did on Sunday night football, six days prior. And that's just run the ball, try to control the clock, keep it out of the Steelers hands, make your quarterback feel comfortable. Uh, you know, the Vikings did that to a lot of success against the Seahawks with Dalvin cook. I don't understand why the Browns were, they just never had that a part of their game plan. And they just, they just got beaten down. Yeah, it was bad. Um, before we move on, who do you got right now? I'll ask you both best AFC team right now. Who you got Coulter? Oh, I'm not suicidal. It's the chiefs. <laughs> Mr. Mario. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm there. Too I mean, I, I can't believe people were saying this team was outside of the top five last week. It, it's so offensive there. And, and as Mr. Model was just pointing out five and over the Steelers, yours truly is a nice five and one with Kansas city. So that they're my team. That's Ride my best team teams, right baby. now. Ride them. <laughs> gotta, know, gotta know where your bread is buttered, right? Yeah. Well, Mr. Mo, let's continue with your theme. The best of times and the worst of times. It's now time to focus on the shit. And boy, oh boy, is there shit. I think we got to start with the Jets because, I mean, holy hell. I mean, holy hell. I know they don't have their quarterback, but they just got shut out by the Dolphins. It is pathetic. And I don't know how, as a Jets fan, you have any hope. And I'm actually at the point now where we've been wondering why Adam Gase hasn't gotten fired. You want to hear this one, guys? I got a theory, too, on this one. I think they know he's a terrible coach. I think they know his team is terrible and they don't want to play for him. And that's why they're keeping him around so they can get the first pick in the draft. Crazy. I, I, at this point, I can't believe he hasn't been fired. I mean, there's been two other <laughs> coaches that have been fired. I mean, what are the jets, the people that make those decisions, how could they look at their counterparts across the league and be like, Oh, Atlanta and Houston moved on from their horrible coaches. You know what we're going to do? We're going to double down this week after he, just shown no effort whatsoever the last three weeks. I don't understand it. I'm lost. Mr. Model, what do you think? I, I can I can make a case for a rational play there that you already have contract committed to Gase and you know that it's going to be a rebuilding year 
So it makes sense for you to continue to tank. And you know that the job candidates aren't looking right now. We're in mid-season. Everyone is focused on their current role. It's not like you're going to bring a new guy in anytime soon. That would likely happen in the offseason. I could make a case for giving him hmm, maybe three more weeks. If they go 0-9, I think then you cut ties, put in an interim guy, and just try to crutch through the rest of the year and really set yourself up for job candidates try and start wooing them early so that you get your your best guy forward in the future yeah Uh, it's tough too because i know with with flacco he's just he's a a statue back there i've seen it with the end of eli's career with the giants you cannot have a modern day offense with a quarterback that can't even just escape out of the pocket so i guess we're judging them on a, a like sliding scale here but man they are bad Which brings us to the NFC East, which is even worse because we just saw the Cowboys just pure yikes. The Cowboys get shredded apart by the Cardinals who, I mean, I like the Cardinals. I have been riding the Cardinals. I've been winning. They're a nice team. They're not a 38 point offensive team on a week to week basis. They embarrassed the Cowboys. The Eagles lost to a good Ravens team, but still lost. And the Giants somehow got a miracle victory against the Redskins. I just am watching this division thinking like, what the fuck is going on? And Coulter, I'm seeing people on Twitter because I'm now having to advocate that the Giants are not good because Giants Twitter is now delusional who thinks that we somehow have a shot to win the NFC East. I just want to stop it right there because it's, it's insane, isn't it? Well, I mean, mathematically you're still alive, but yeah, no, it's insane. Giants Twitter needs to just put a sock in its mouth. For, yeah. for the rest of the season, there's nothing good that can come out of you winning the division unless maybe, I guess the argument would be that Jones gets an ego boost, but I mean, you're going to get absolutely throttled in the postseason. Uh, you better off just letting Philadelphia make it at six, nine and one. Um, but yeah, the, this division really is, it, it's shameful that there isn't like an emergency button that Roger Goodell can hit when this situation happens. Cause I know they've done a nice job of adding a play, an extra playoff team, which I'm excited for this year. And I think they've tried to weed this kind of situation out, but they haven't fully gone into like, if you're sub 500, you shouldn't make the playoffs. That should just be the barometer. And if there's ever a situation where a wild card team is under 500, give the other wild card team to the other conference, you know, let the, let's say, let's say it's Seattle at nine and seven, let them go to the AFC and play there for the, for the playoffs. <laughs> Cause I'm tired of seeing these horrible teams make the playoffs. And the NFC East is just like, it's hard to watch. The Cowboys are fighting in their locker room. You've heard reports, obviously, of the Eagles having infighting in their locker room. You can't imagine that the Giants locker room has been pretty over the last three years. And then football team, I mean, what do we even begin? They bench Woof. the quarterback. Uh, Smith is comes in. And it's a great story, but he's horrible. You've got Snyder's in the news every week with the Washington Post, the new allegations. They're not going to brand the team. That was the newest news out of Washington this week. They're going to be football team for another year. I mean, this is a disastrous division. I mean, in the worst way possible. Why would you be football team one more year? It's not like you don't have time to sit around and think of a new fucking name. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's a branding problem. Think about it. Like the scene in the matrix when the guy opens the curtain, it's just a wall of bricks. That's yeah. what Washington's running into, unfortunately with their naming situation. <laughs> uh, and I've got a lot more talking points cause we're going to get to our picks in week seven. So I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts here. Uh, I have a couple on the giants. I have a couple on the football team and a little on the Cowboys. So I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Um, but our next segment, let's go to it right now. So before the season started, we had discussed rookie of the year lines. Let's talk updated 
lines. We've gone through six games right now and there's new action. Obviously things have changed. We've seen some players here. Um, Coulter, you and I have got some action. Mr. Model, did you, do you have a ticket right now for uh, for a rookie of the year? Nothing. Not, okay. not right now. No. Well, then you're going to be a very good impartial judge to tell us what we should be doing here. You're the numbers guy. I've got a couple of questions for you. So I'm going to let Coulter, you take this one away here because I really like where you're sitting here. So tell us where your ticket is. Well, it's a very small ticket on Justin Herbert, but I did get him at 24 to one odds. Oops, sorry about that. Um, to, in the preseason. And it was really based on, I didn't think Ty Taylor was going to make it the whole year. I thought the chargers could contend for a wild card spot. And I also just thought the hatred towards Herbert coming out of the draft was so unfounded. I mean, you would have thought this guy was a bum and I know Oregon's had trouble with quarterbacks, but like, we need to stop doing this where we're like, Oh, Oregon's produced two bad quarterbacks. The third one's going to be a bust. That's not necessarily true. The person is much more important than the school. I yep. mean, we have to stop doing this. Uh, nobody gave this kid a shot. And, you know, I liked it at 24 to one. Now he's skyrocketed. I, I want to say he's the odds favorite, right? Or is it I, Joe Burrow? No, that's what I'm seeing right now. So I'm seeing Herbert as the favorite at plus 160, which oh, translates to just- 39% chance to win. That makes me feel happy. Again, it's a small ticket. I'm barely going to get a pizza, maybe two pizzas out of this winter, but I, I feel vindicated because it was just a great value play. I mean, this is the sixth overall pick and he's 24 to one odds. And he, I think we talked about it in the preseason. This, this always goes to quarterbacks, just like the MVP. It's such an easier award to win for them. Uh, and it says it all. I mean, Edward Hilaire has been terrific. I think he's top five in the league in terms of total yards. Uh, and he's still not the favorite. So that says it all. Yeah. And Coulter, like I said, pizza's there. Now, is that your unit designation? You call it a pizza or is that an actual pizza? No, no. This was just a, a simple $2 flyer coming <laughs> out of the draft to win $48. So, I mean, oh. it will net, net me a total of 50. So, yeah, a couple pizzas. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, I borrow my unit uh, nickname from the Sopranos. I call it a box of ziti. Like how much is he into his for? About 45 boxes of ZD. So, you know, I'm looking with a couple boxes. boxes that's exactly mine. what I put on this Herbert. Yeah, it's, yeah that's exactly <laughs> what I put on this. It's two boxes of uh, uncooked pasta from Stop and Shop. Like that. So, Mr. Model, uh, I think we mentioned it on here, but I, I did pick Clyde Edwards Hilaire before the season started at three to one. So I'm holding a three to one ticket on him. He's put up some numbers. We've watched the Chiefs. He's looking good. He's now at nine to one. Okay. And my question to you, this podcast is called Double Down Trent. Do I double down and do I take the action at nine to one or do I just kind of say, hey, you know what? Three to one, still three to one, considering the fact that Le'Veon's in there. What do you think? It's interesting. So one one data point that I would I would add to this is I'm looking at a couple different books and one book that I'm looking at has him at plus 500 right now. So what that's like half of what you are also looking at if you were to put in something you know just over half um so to me that that number that you're kind of quoting is significantly higher than what i'm seeing on this reputable book not that yours isn't reputable but, but these features tend to get off just based on the action that they're seeing to me i still really like him um, to me, he's still going to continue to put up numbers. He's a running back, which is the, probably the biggest shot against him. I totally agree with Coulter that a quarterback is the most likely to win. So you're looking at Herbert or Burrow. But uh, if not, it's going to be him. It's all about risk. Um, to me, you know, maybe it's worth putting one more unit down or a half unit to see if you can continue to like that or you uh, go somewhere else. 
excuse me, one more box of ziti we'll put down. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to um, say, the interesting part about here is that Claypool and Jefferson statistically have been just lights out, and same with CeeDee Lamb. It's been just an amazing first-year uh, rookie receiving class, I should say. But at the same time, I would caution uh, people who are listening to just stay away from those. I just don't see how a receiver can win it. I think Beckham was the last one to do it. And I don't believe he had much quarterback competition. Uh, Jefferson is literally going against Herbert Burrow. And now he has to factor in Tua in these final 10 weeks of the season. I mean, you can't underestimate that enough. I mean, those three alone, sh- and and you add in uh, Edwards Hilaire. I mean, those are the, the top four, in my opinion. The receivers have been a great story. They're fun to watch. They're fun to have in fantasy, but I just don't see how they can bring home the bacon on this one. Yeah, phenomenal segue there. So, Mr. Model, we got a lot to talk about with Tua, but let's stick with our rookie of the year odds here because coming into the season, we knew he was going to sit, okay? Is he worth putting some ZD down on him winning this rookie of the year award? So, the odds I'm seeing for him are plus 3,500 which translates to 2.8%. So if you think that he has a better than 3% chance of winning rookie of the year, like we're talking maybe 7%, 8% chance, I think the big thing for him is that he's going to only have, what, 11 games yep. to prove his worth, whereas a lot of these Ten. other guys are going to be playing the whole season. Ten. 10 games. Yeah, that's right. Bye. Yeah. Um. So that's going to be the biggest knock against him is, is he going to have enough time? He's going to have to put out some really good numbers. Uh, they'll have to go, what, six and four, seven and three in those next 10 games where he plays. I'm not sure that's possible in the AFC East. Yeah. Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, he may be in position to take the team to the playoffs, um, but I don't think you can factor out the three and three record with Fitzgerald uh, with Fitzpatrick that has to be considered at the end of the year. Um, and I don't see how that's going to be avoided when we're all doing the tallying, when this is all said and done. So even if like Mr. Model said, if Miami goes six and four, or seven and three down the stretch, and that puts Miami in serious playoff contention, I, I think you might have a good bet if you have money on Tua, but you also have to consider and factor in that there is that three and three anchor that Fitz did lead this team to a, uh, a middling start are actually, I think above expectations, quite yeah. frankly, they won that game against the Niners and I, at, at three and three, if you look at their first six games and how they were favored or an underdog, they were, they're above expectation at this point. I do want to throw caution to uh, the people that are listening again on this one. Maybe I'm just sounding like a Justin Herbert truther, but I mean, I do think there is some value with a layer, but the one thing with two that really puts me uh, on the caution track is his injury history uh, and I also feel not only the injury thing, uh, I also feel like he's got the most push, even though they just made this quarterback change and you'd think that they want to give it, a, let it ride out. But let's say it's a disastrous first two weeks and he goes, zero and two or zero and three, maybe they're thinking about going back to Fitzpatrick at three and six. I, I don't see how that could be out of the question. Whereas I don't think Taylor's coming back unless Herbert gets hurt and, and Burrow doesn't have a backup. He was the starter from day one. So, I mean, if you're going to reinvest in this prop specifically, I would go with the two guys that are not going to get bounced. They're going to have better cases at the end of the year, and they're just going to end up playing more games, I think. I like your breakdown there. Uh, I'm with you because it, that just makes sense to me. And an injury concern is something as well, Tua. Um, I, I do want to talk, though, about Tua in, in a bigger picture here because it's very interesting timing for the Dolphins to be making this change. I know like season-wise, they're in the bye. It makes the most sense. If you were going to do it, this is the time to do it. But like you said, the Dolphins are – overperforming they're they're beating their expectations here 
Are you making this move as, as Brian Flores because you think now two is your better quarterback and gives you the better chance to win? Or is this more of a chance to like, listen, let's call this year what it is. We're having a good season, but we're not going to win anything. Let's get him in there. Let's get him some experience and then let's build for next year. What do you think the Dolphins organization was thinking, Coulter? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the move from Flores. It shows confidence. And this is a coach we've definitely been, you know, we passed praise on in this podcast in the past. And I, I think he's really knows what he's doing. Uh, this was obviously what I read was that they were thinking about doing it at week 11 for their bye week, but obviously COVID kind of screwed with their schedule. So they've just improvised and gone ahead with what they were planning. Um, I think having Fitzpatrick definitely helps too. I mean, you can definitely go back to him. I think without ruining quote unquote ruining to his um, ego this year, I think there is like a little bit of a trial run you can give to a, and give the team back to Fitzpatrick. Whereas some situations might not have that baked in because Fitzpatrick clearly is not the long-term starter. You know, he's not going to be a threat to it next year. Um, so I think that uh, factored into the decision that they have a relatively good quarterback room in 2020. And yeah, I think the start of the season at three and three has put them in a position, you know, when my Broncos sat Jake Plummer, when we were seven and four, we were the number five seed in the playoffs. We sat him for Jake Cutler on Thanksgiving night. I'll never forget that. I thought, Hey, this is a team that could, we could win our division. Why are we switching quarterbacks all of a sudden? But Cutler was the best quarterback of the two. Um, so I think that's what they're probably seeing in practice. And I can't argue with the coaching staff. They're going to go with the more talented player, the one that they've invested a lot of capital in. And to your point, yeah, I don't, even if you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, you could definitely build a lot of strong foundation for a Super Bowl champion this year by getting two of this experience. So I think it's a great move. And they're set up for the future, too, because they've got the Texans first round pick, which is looking like it's going to be a high draft pick. So another little caveat to build the Dolphins up. Um, I'm with you, though, in the fact that I do think two is the better quarterback here. I think you're not making this change right now if you don't think two is better than Fitzpatrick. I mean, he when two was healthy, and I know it's a big little caveat to throw out there. He was the best quarterback. I mean, he put up insane numbers at Alabama. Nick Saban turned to him as a true freshman in the fucking national championship game. So this guy has got pedigree. He is an incredible quarterback. You're just concerned about the injuries. I disagree with you though. In one point that I don't think they can go back to Fitzpatrick. I just don't, I, I don't think it's an Eagle thing. I don't think it's even like a, a, a Hey, like a, an admission of uh, an, an error. I just think once you hand the, the keys over to Tua, that's it. He's your quarterback. You're going to let him go through the bumps and bruises and figure this season out. Because ultimately, I just go back to the fact that I don't think they're winning anything. They might win their division. They could be a wild card team, but I don't think they're going to go past anything in the first round of the playoffs if they even get there. That's my two cents on him. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I was thinking more along the lines that he's just like, um, I mean, I think we saw it on Monday Night Football. You know, Kyler Murray is an amazing player. He's statistically, what he can do with his legs is just so amazing, but like, as a quarterback, if you just took out his run stats and everything he could do with him, and if you just said this guy's confined to the pocket, he can't move, he has to stand there and throw the football, where would you put Kyler Murray? Yeah. He'd be bottom Middle. four for me right now. And so Tua Tagovailoa, if he has an injury or if he slowed down, if he can't get out of the pocket, and he has to sit there and make pro quarterback throws like Joe Burrow is doing, like Matt Stafford does every week. I'm not going to bet on him. You know that. You know I don't bet on Lamar Jackson. You know I fade these guys. I'm just not going to bet on that. I could see an 8 of 24 day for him where he throws two picks and the offense just can't move. And Flores is looking like, hey, Fitzpatrick can get me 300 yards at will. And this guy can barely get me 100. I, I don't know. I, I agree with what you're saying. Going back is a weak move. I guess we're, it, it's just semantics right now. I just think 
there is a world where Tua in game two gets banged up. He can't move out of the pocket and he's just sitting there like a lame duck and he's really not that good of a pocket passer. I could, I could see that world uh, happening pretty quickly. I mean, just like, and this is different too. Haskins didn't read the playbook in, in Washington, but he was so abysmal that he was putting his teammates at jeopardy. And I don't think yeah. that's going to happen with Tua. I don't think he's Haskins at all, but I'm just thinking if he can't move that passing offense becomes really, really weak. And then that run offense becomes weak. And then it's just like, it's a dumpster fire real fast for the dolphins. Does it shift your thinking at all? If you knew that they were going to move to a run pass option offense, which they, Oh, I'm, to my I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they will. I, I'm, I'm more specifically saying if he gets dinged, I mean, this is a guy who has had injury history and where they're going to play him cautiously because he's their franchise quarterback. So maybe it's less yeah. runs out of the pocket you're requiring to sit there more. I don't know. Maybe I just have a bad taste in my mouth from Kyler on Monday night, but I saw a guy who could make a couple big throws, but at other times I was like, this guy is not a pocket passer. He really yeah. is not. He's not that good when he sits in there. I can't wait to fade Arizona in the playoffs, get Arizona into the postseason. I will fade them so hard. I cannot. Wait. <laughs> so I threw this out before the podcast started. So I, I, we're thinking now about Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is now like his 10th team that he's gone in, started done pretty good, had mixed reviews and now it gets benched again. So Coulter, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to give me your best pop culture comparison of who is Ryan Fitzpatrick in our pop culture world. Uh, well, so Connor McGregor is the one that people go to. My uh, pick was uh, Todd Parker from Boogie Nights. He's a little <laughs> bit more menacing than Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's a little bit more gleeful and fun going, but I'm just thinking of him with that gold medal and the, the chest popped out. He just looks like a Boogie Nights porn star character uh, when he's got the whole look going and and Todd Parker in that movie is played by Tom Jane. Uh, great part, great role. Uh, I don't know. I, that's where my mind immediately went when you posed that question to me. It's fair. One of the best uh, movie scenes I've seen with the firecrackers popping. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. Saying. I took it a little different angle. I took it more of like a, uh, a hired gun. You bring this guy in, you know exactly what he's going to do. He might be a little bit of a fixer. He's not going to be your main guy. He might not even be on your like, you know, your front page of your corporate, like, you know, who, who's working here. I have him more of a fixer type, which is why I've got him as Michael Clayton. I'm not the guy that you kill. I'm the guy that you buy. Are you so fucking blind you don't even see what I am? I'm the easiest part of your whole goddamn problem, and you're going to kill me? Don't you know who I am? I'm a fixer. I'm a bag man. I do everything from shoplifting housewives to bent congressmen, and you're going to kill me? You call this guy in, you fix up the roster for a little bit, then you get him out. Get him out of here. He's gone. You don't even know he's there anymore. And the reason why I, I think of this is now I'm asking, is there a team that might want to trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick? And I got football two team. of them. I got two, not the football team, but right division, the Dallas Cowboys. Why not make a move for him? They've got Andy Dalton on a three, a one year, $3 million contract. Okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed a two year deal with the dolphins. I think it was like 11 or 12 million. I think they owe him something like $4 million, right? If you're the Cowboys and you're looking around, you just saw what happened on Monday night. Clearly, Andy Dalton is not even good enough to be your backup, right? Why not bring in Fitzpatrick? Let him throw it around. Get that Fitzmagic going. 
the NFC East is so bad. I feel like he gives them a, a real shot to win that division. What do you think? I mean, I think it's a great fit. I think they've unfortunately made their bed, so to speak, and they have to line it with Andy Dalton. Um, I just don't see how they can bring in a third quarterback. Maybe, maybe they have room. I, I'm not a financial wizard by any stretch. We should probably get a, a fourth podcaster on who knows the <laughs> salary caps. It would be a Jerry Jones move. I will give you, I'll give you credit on that one. <laughs> I, I do think there's a much bigger need though in Washington. And uh, I, I do think football team because of Haskins and they're trying to trade him already. If they're not thinking draft and they're thinking maybe just short-term solution, maybe they go with him. Um, they have draft picks too, which is another thing I was just thinking of. Yeah, I could see that. I I could, but the if reason they want to make thought, a move for the division, of course, if they're right. if they have no desire, then they're obviously right. not going to do something like that. Yeah, that, and that's the only reason why I thought Dallas. I think they clearly think they can win the division. I, I don't think Washington thinks that right now. It's a very Dallas move to yeah. uh, to oh, go yeah. after somebody like that to try to go win the division, and then probably not win the division after all the trying. Oh yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Um, well, that, that ties a bow on some of our look back for, for week six, but now let's get into the double down Trent standings. Let's see how everyone was doing. Mr. Model, we got a tight race here on our site. We have an incredibly tight race. I cannot believe it. Uh, in first place, 18 points after six weeks of picks, we have M Cazalet, the standalone solo leader just looking around and saying where the hell is everybody else kudos to her mag is running away with it i can't believe it uh shout out to the people in second we have a three-way tie currently uh, all with 17 points we have hannibal we have luann megan's mom your mom she's doing really well and you the man all at 17 points. It's like a family affair. Listen, the Cazalets are hot right now. You might want to listen to our picks. <laughs> I was going to say, and Rusty won the week. Rusty yeah, won cool. our, our, our pool picks, so we are a hot family right now. <laughs> just just to uh, just to make a quick plug for the Smith family, uh, my brother, rsmith2070, is at 16 points, so in a close third place, and then myself is at 15 points, in fourth, not too far behind, just out of a uh, spit's distance. I want to call someone out though, just just real quick. So mm. our own NFL insider Coulter is all the way down at eight points, and one of the reasons for that is that he forgot to submit his picks this past weekend. Mm. What the hell, mm. Coulter? Would you like to take the floor? Yeah. I, I really like where we are picks wise, pick wise on the pod, but uh, success here means nothing without full engagement. And I slipped up last week and didn't submit picks to the pool. Uh, I apologize deeply to our listeners. Uh, that's totally on me. It's an inexcusable gaffe. I can give you a whole song and dance as to what happened, but I'd rather just say I'm not going to let it happen again. The picks are already in for week seven. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say other than uh, I'm really sorry for losing track and I will make sure to get them in on time every single week from here on out. Never again. I mean, there's only one sound clip that I can put in here and it is from Game of Thrones. Shame. Shame. I deserve shame. it. I deserve all the shame. I, I don't know what I what happened. I mean, especially because you had a good week. You picked two winners last week, two and oh. I'm feeling good on the points. pot. I think I'm. I think I'm five and one in the last three weeks on the pod with the yeah. picks. So 
yeah, you're hot. But uh, it doesn't okay. really matter if I'm not engaging with the users on the in the in the app. That's that's my fault entirely. Moral of bad. the story here: get the picks in, people. Get the picks in. So that was one controversy that we've got. Now, Mr. Model, we we put in a new segment: our crossfire bet. Okay. Yeah. It's our trading places bet, our usual bet triggers an automatic dollar bet between us three. You got some problems with this. Talk to me, my friend. Let's get a little Melfi session going. All right. So just I went I ended up last week in a three way kind of three crossfire bets with each of you guys, because uh, I think it was two with Casley yep. and one with Coulter. I ended up losing one with Casley. I lost my one with Coulter, and I won one against Casley. Is that right? I have yes, that all correct. correct. Yep. I was complaining to you guys off air that I felt like it was unfair. It was unfair. You guys were making me pull the trigger early and lock in some of my bets on a Wednesday evening, whereas I usually don't kind of lock everything into a Sunday morning. I like to see how the market has shifted through the entire week. I like to listen to other podcasts and see people much smarter than me who do these picks, see where they're landing. And I feel like it was unfair. So I was complaining to you guys off air about uh, forcing me to, to commit to my hand too early. Yeah. And listen, I, I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. OK, <laughs> but we're making two picks here. OK, these should be your two mortal locks of the week. These shouldn't be the two that you're flipping and flopping on Sunday morning because hand up, I do it myself. Okay. But when I make my pod picks, I feel like I'm Colonel Jessup. I'm on that wall. I make my picks. Okay. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. I lock them in here. And unless you got a better way to do it here, Lieutenant Weinberg, (laughs) I think we gotta stick with the system because how else are we going to do it? Yeah. I hear you. So I, what it, I've never made a bet with somebody on a Wednesday and then shaken <laughs> on it on a Sunday. That's just that's just not it. That I, that formula is not a formula all of the follow. It's either you shake in the moment or you don't. And I'm all all fine with limiting our crossfires, but I, I feel like it has to be done in the moment. That's the most organic way. That's betting is organic. It's a side that makes a statement. The other side says let's do it, and yep. there's a shake, and <laughs> it all has to happen organically like that it can't be something that you're like oh in five days let's let's then put in the bet yep so i i paid up yep and what what i'm coming i'm coming back to you and saying i'm ready to sally up i'm not going to complain i'm just going to smoke you guys the rest of the year (laughs) and we're going to call it a day all right so that's where i'm going with this i absolutely love it I absolutely love it. Let's get right into it. So let's go over the picks for this week that we got in our app on the Double Down Trent app, and then let's jump into our pod picks. So take it away, Mr. Model. Yep, we have five fantastic games uh, this week. Some better matchups we uh, for this upcoming weekend than what we've seen in the past. Uh, the first one we have is New Orleans Saints are home against those Carolina Panthers. Carolina playing much better this year than many people, including myself, would have thought. Uh, New Orleans is favored by seven and a half at home. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if people like that hook. Uh, The second game that we have, Tampa Bay is traveling to Vegas to play those Las Vegas Raiders. Tampa Bay, even though they're away, they are slightly favored at minus two and a half. There's been some interesting news that has come out, COVID-related news, about the Raiders' offensive line. There may be some missing folks there, at least in practices this week. We'll see what else happens uh, in terms of a game. Um, personally, 
I, we were pinging up air. I already like Tampa Bay in this game, which we might talk about a little later. Uh, the third game, this might be the marquee matchup of the weekend. Tennessee Titans are home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is traveling, but favored in our office pool, although the line has shifted when we're recording this. In the pool, what we have on the app right now is Pittsburgh minus one and a half. The fourth game that we have, Arizona Cardinals against the Seattle Seahawks. Arizona, slight underdog at uh, plus three and a half. The Seattle Seahawks offense has been, I think, the best offense in terms of DVOA all year. We'll be interested to see if they keep that going. Personally, I'm going to be rooting for them. We can talk about that later. And then the last thing that we have, I think it's the Monday night matchup. The LA Rams are home against those Chicago Bears. LA is favored as of right now by five and a half. Yeah. A lot of really good games this week. I'm very excited to watch these great slate. Everyone. And I'm looking at you, Coulter. Don't forget to get your picks in. <laughs> They're in. I already did them before we started recording. Absolutely love it. So everyone follow his, uh, his uh, order here and let's get those picks submitted. I do want to say before we start making our two picks here uh, for the pod, we are hot guys. We are nine and three against the spread in the last couple of weeks, in the last two weeks. So let's keep the momentum going. We'll start off with you with our very own insider Coulter. So give us your first pick. I'm going to just do a quick rinse and repeat from last week. Uh, last week we had a great NFC uh, North versus AFC South battle between the Lions and the Jaguars. I'm looking to take advantage again here. This time it's the Green Bay Packers are traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. And they were favored by three and a half points. I don't love the hook, but I do love the concept. And I'm approaching it the exact same way. What we have here is an NFC North stalwart going head to head with an AFC South cellar dweller. We have a roster mismatch that's so obvious. I don't know if you've looked at the Texans team recently, but they do not have any blue chip players other than Deshaun Watson and maybe Laramie Tunsil. I think J.J. Watt is somebody who's closer to being traded at this point than impacting a game like this. Uh, I think the Packers offensive line protect Rodgers. He has plenty of time. I think they can run all over Houston, clearly, as Derrick Henry just did. I love Green Bay's two-headed beast with Jones and Williams. I just think there's a huge coaching mismatch here, too. Cornell is not going to win many more games with this Houston team, maybe two, maybe three games top and tops, and this is not the one. Packers are coming off of a humiliating spot on national TV where they were completely beaten. You have to remember they got a pick six in that ball game. This is stuff that doesn't usually happen to Green Bay. They got to put themselves down in a, in a bad road spot against a very good defensive team. I think Tampa Bay is a tough place to play with the weather. I think that defense is really good, and I don't think we really should factor that game much into Green Bay going forward. Sometimes good teams have bad games. The Ravens had one a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs. They've, sh- they've shaken that off, and they're humming along just like they were before. Um, in this game, you have a running offense, as I mentioned, that is just going to gash Houston's poor rush defense that's going to keep Deshaun Watson, Houston's best player, off the field. Uh, if Houston couldn't take advantage of the Titans last week on five days rest, four days rest, I should say, because Tennessee played on Tuesday night, Tuesday night, and they played on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I don't think that Houston can take care of Green Bay with uh, no advantage in terms of the rest. Um, even if Green Bay struggles here early, they're going to find a way to come back in this game and overcome Houston. Uh, this Texan team has not put together four consecutive good quarters all year. In fact, they are the worst team in the second half of this season. Wow. Okay, Mr. Model, what do you think? I'm in. 
I'm in on this. So I'm uh, also taking, as of right now, Green Bay minus three and a half. Uh, a lot of what you said, I totally agree with. I think the biggest things for me, they're coming off that hard loss. I, I just think they're going to play much better than what they played in that game. I think the second thing is that uh, currently in DVOA, their defense is ranked 30th out of 32 teams. I don't think that they're the 30th uh, talented defense in the league. I think that what I expect to see is that they, they should start regress to the mean and start getting a little better than what they've performed so far. This would be one of the games where I expect to see that. I think that they play, especially Aaron Rodgers plays much better. The variance of those pick sixes goes away and I see them covering this game. This is why you are the model drop in terms like regressing to the mean. I love it. I, love <laughs> I have an it. extra little tidbit too, for the listeners. And I think we hit on this last year with the Broncos and their ownership problems and how it's cast kind of a dark spell over the, the Denver franchise post Manning. A lot of people like to blame LA. I like to blame the fact that we haven't had an owner since Pat Bowen uh, passed. Uh, Houston's the exact same way. McNair, their owner, died in 2018. What do you know? This team has not been as good since. It's been inconsistent. They gave Bill, Bill, Bill O'Brien the GM spot. He's run the team into the ground with an egregious trade after egregious trade. This is a team that has no leadership. Cornell is a terrible head coach. He's a good coordinator. He's a good person, but he's not a good head coach. His record proves that. They don't have an owner. They don't have a GM. They have no leadership. They're relying so much on Deshaun Watson. I'm just going to take the talent advantage, the coach advantage, the spot advantage. I'm going to take it all. Watson can't overcome all of it. He's a special player, but that's literally the only bright spot on that Houston team uh, from top to bottom, from ownership down to the guy who gets the water for the players. Watson is literally the only bright spot. (laughs) I agree with everything you guys just said. You made a lot of fantastic points, and I'm with you. The only thing I really can add here is is my theme for my picks this week, which is going to be recency bias. Okay, I bet you if you were to look at this line before the Packers got blown out by the Bucks, I bet you this line was what six and a half, seven and a half in favor of Green Bay. They get blown out on national television. All of a sudden, it's three and a half. I just don't buy it, so I'm with you guys. Okay, Mr. Model, why don't you give us your first pick? Yeah, so this was a team that I think I had picked against last week on the pod, if I'm remembering correctly, and then flipped and took them off air. I'm taking, uh, and the game I'm alluding to last week was uh, L.A. uh, Rams against the San Francisco 49ers this week I'm, I am going to be at taking the San Francisco 49ers plus two and a half as they travel across the country to the New England Patriots uh, this is a it's interesting so Garoppolo played much better than what anyone I think what I even would have expected his first uh, his first game coming off injury was really rough um, you could tell that there were a lot of cobwebs that he needed to shake off um, last weekend he played significantly better I think they really had the offense humming and prepared to have him succeed. And I would expect the same thing as they go into Foxborough to play the Patriots. This line has shifted down. So a lot of the sharp money has come in um, on San Francisco. This game actually opened, I think it was upwards of almost five. And it has now shifted all the way down to San Francisco plus one and a half. In our pool, it locked in at two and a half. And it has even shifted down since we uh, locked that in. So I actually like this spot. I think the New England offense is just 
absolutely impotent. I don't think they can get much going. I think they rely too heavily on Cam's legs. I don't think he has a lot of weapons around him. I think Edelman is old. I think Nikhil Harry hasn't come through yet. I think they've missed on a couple of receivers there. Um, I like San Francisco in this spot. I'm going to root for them, and I'll take them as my first pick. What do you think? Colter, if I may go first here and step in, I'd like to add a little little something here. We got our first crossfire, boys. <laughs> and not only that, I've got this as my key pick. I've got uh, New England, okay, for a number of reasons. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to reiterate what I just said, recency bias. What did we just see last week? New England got destroyed by Denver and San Fran came back and shocked everybody and pulled off a really impressive game, right? Everyone's like, Jimmy G looks good. The Patriots are down. They're done. Two and a half at home with Bill Belichick coming off of a loss? Are you kidding me? And I like what you said about New England's offense. I agree with you. They are not explosive. But San Fran's defense is banged up and hurt. They really have Fred Warner, and maybe that's it. I just don't like them. I think they can't stop anybody. And if you're going to rely on Cam running, which I know the the Pats are going to be doing – I don't see them matching up with him and stopping that. So give me the Pats. Key pick. I love Belichick off a loss. I love him at home getting left, laying less than a field goal. Love it. I'm not going to crossfire with you there, Kaz, but I am going to side strongly with the model on this pick. I do get what you're saying with Belichick coming off of the loss, but I don't think that this is your grandmother's New England team from the previous 19 seasons. And I think one really, really important thing that the model was hinting at is the line movement. Why is the line moving? Why is the line moving to a quarterback who's been uh, hurt and playing poorly with Jimmy G? I'll tell you why the line is moving. The last time a Kyle Shanahan offense played a Bill Belichick defense, it went up 20 to three in the Super Bowl in the first half. They have a mismatch advantage against the Belichick defense. I love Kyle Shanahan's offense against Bill Belichick. I think this is a good pick by the model here. I do not like, I've watched all four quarters of that, that uh, Pats game. Drew Locke missed, th- or not, not even Locke's fault. Receivers dropped three touchdowns in that game. That game could have been a blowout with a capital B. That game could have been 35 to nothing. Patriots were listless. They were awful. I think they have offensive line issues. I think they have issues all over their roster. Cam is similar to Houston. I think he might be their best player in their lone bright spot. I don't see anything out of Edelman. They'd have no tight ends. I think Kittle is a monster. He's going to just decimate their defense. Albert O, who was playing in his first game for the Broncos last week, was getting open left and right and carving up this Belichick secondary. The guy never played a down of NFL football before he was going wild against his Patriots team. The one thing I, I like about your handicap, Kaz, is you are getting it under a field goal and you are getting San Francisco going across country. Yep. Shanahan knows how to travel across country, though. This is a good coach. I don't think that this is a bad spot. There are no fans or there are going to be minimal fans there. I don't think New England's a tough t- place to play. I just don't see how Cam gets margin on anybody. Um, and quite frankly, I think here's my little fun fact here. Talking about recency bias, your little detail. Is there anybody who's more pissed off in this football league than Jimmy Garoppolo? This guy went to the Super Bowl last year. All I did last week was read pieces from our Bay Area writers about how he should be traded. Are you out of your mind? I know the guy hasn't been good, but come on. Give him a little bit more respect than that. 
I mean, he wasn't amazing, and I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo supporter, but this is a man on fire. This is a man that was traded by this team. He was disrespected by Belichick. He is going to come in here hot. I love this matchup. I th- advantage Shanahan, advantage Jimmy G, advantage San Fran. I mean, you know, I like how excited the model is here because <laughs> who knows Jimmy G better than anybody besides maybe Kyle Shanahan, Belichick. the fucking guy who drafted Belichick. him. The yeah. guy who drafted him. But and why, couldn't Belichick, why the, couldn't Belichick stop Drew Locke in Denver last week? Fair questions. Was Stefan Gilmore playing last week? Drew I don't Locke had a separated shoulder from two weeks ago. I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of questions with New England. I think San Fran, too, and I've been doing this on a couple of handicaps this year, max motivation to keep up with the division. Not that New England's not motivated coming off of a loss, but San Fran simply cannot lose in that division. Every loss is like two losses in the NFC West because everybody in that division has a winning record. This team knows how thin ice they're on right now. They're going to they're gonna be playing a very, very good game. Uh, I like San Francisco. I don't love it as a crossfire bet. It's not one of my top two, but I do like uh, I do like San Francisco in this spot. I, I really did not like what I saw from New England last week, and maybe that's my recency bias, but uh, this is not a team that scares me at all. Okay. We, we got a lot of info there, so we'll let the listeners decide, and we'll see what happens. I, I feel really confident about this pick. I mean, I, I do agree I that Belichick, Belichick probably knows Jimmy G well, but he, he, all he knows him is in what he was in New England, and this is a different offense that Kyle Shanahan's running. That's fair. Right? That's fair. Um, okay, so that was my key pick. So I'll start off here with my non-key pick. Uh, I'll just drop it in here. I am taking the Thursday night game, which I normally don't advise anyone to ever do except when it's the giants playing. So I'm taking the Eagles at home minus four and a half here. This is a line that Vegas is begging you to pick the giants. They're begging you to take the giants here. They're again, going off of recency bias here and they know New York fans like, holy shit, we might win the division. We get two wins in a row in division. Now we're cooking. No, don't believe that. Okay. What did we just see from Philly the past two weeks? They've hung and covered with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens two vastly superior teams. And what did we see the giants do against the Steelers? They got blown the fuck out on Monday night. They haven't played the Ravens, but it's going to be a blowout again. I know Philly's got injuries. I know they do, but the giants are anemic. Okay. This is a team that just beat the Washington football team by one point. And why did they beat them by one point? Because Kyle Allen fumbled the ball with three minutes to go in the game. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, Tay Crowder picked it up and ran a touchdown to give the Giants the lead. Washington comes all the way down the field, scores a touchdown, and decides to go for two. And a miracle failed two-point conversion gave the Giants the win. Without that, if, if Washington converts that and the Giants are sitting at 0-6, this line is sitting at like 9.5, 10.5. Okay? And I think Philly is going to win this division. I think they've got the most talent, especially without Dak. They're going to come out firing. And I know Ertz, I think, is out, but you're getting Goddard back. No Miles Sanders. I don't think yet bothers me either. The Giants are just not good. They're not going to score points. And I love this pick. I hate picking against my team, but it has to be done. I don't know where to go with this game. Uh, Vegas zone classic with Thursday night. I like your handicap there. Uh, you might be wearing too much giants hatred, so I can't really tell. <laughs> sure. But I do think, I do think when I do the simple uh, blue chip count, 
trick that I like to do. I find uh, even with their injuries, I like seven guys on the Eagles uh, versus three on the Giants, and and that's being generous to some of the Giants skill position players like Darius Slayton, who might just get shut down by Darius Slay, which is a Slay. mouthful for the for the announcers yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but yeah, no, there's not a lot to like from the Giants. At least the Eagles are playing hard. The spread though is just. I, when I opened it up on a pool, I just, my head went right to my table. I just was like four and a half. Are you kidding me? You can't give me a field goal. This right. would be a lot easier if it was a field goal. Obviously gambling's not easy. And that's why we're, <laughs> why we're doing this podcast, uh, side on the Eagles, but very, very lightly. This is no different than the Tampa Bay bears game a couple weeks ago that I hate these Thursday nights. They're driving me insane. Another I, Vegas zone special with the spread. I can't, I'm looking at it and I just I can't. I, I do too, but I usually like to pick in the home teams in these ones. What do you think, Mr. Model? Uh, no disagreements here. I'm also on Philadelphia right now. I like the home team. I will not be watching this game because I'm not interested <laughs> in watching B-League uh, football. Uh, I'll be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles, though. I think this will just be a low-scoring affair. I think the I'm guessing the total is somewhere in the 40s. Um, I can actually check 43 right. and a half is what I saw oh. it at, unless it moved. Yeah, I'm seeing 45 right now. Yeah. yeah. So v- very low scoring. I see this as being, you know, uh, one by a touchdown. Um, so whether that's the Eagles or Giants, one way or another, I'll take my gamble and go with those Eagles. Yeah. And I want everyone to know I'm a diehard Giants fan. I love this team, but I, I hate them right now. It's Dave Gettleman's fault. Fuck that guy. Uh, OK, Coulter, give us your key pick, please. Yeah, I do like the Bucks quite a lot, but I'm going to give another one out to the listeners. Uh, probably will use the Bucks as my key in the pool, but I, I really like this one a lot. I'm going to go with the Chargers, uh, minus seven and a half, and I can't believe I'm doing it. It feels just dirty, uh, but at the same time, I kind of feel comfortable. I'll take the hook, and I'll take Anthony Lynn with the hook and the big spread. It's not a spot that a lot of people want to be in, but I think we're going to get a max-motivated L.A. team coming off a bye. They're looking to stay alive in the AFC playoff picture. Jacksonville has regressed uh, that week one game. I know we've mentioned it probably four straight weeks on the pot. Our, our listeners are probably getting tired of hearing me mention it, but like we cannot factor in that win anymore. This is not a good Jacksonville team. They are horrible. They're horribly coached. They have no motivation. They have the worst, arguably the worst starting quarterback of anybody in the league, maybe other than Washington football. This is just not a good team. Uh, we've seen how limited Indy, the team that they beat in week one can be at times. Uh, so that game really explains itself. Um, Jags were awful against Detroit. I watched some of that game, uh, out of the corner of my eye that they were just terrible. That was one of the worst performances the team has given this year. I was happy to have it on the pot. I almost, I wish I had it as a key pick. Um, I think that all that is factored into the line here. So I don't know if that's necessarily a, this is a value play by any means. And the Chargers are getting more than a touchdown, which means it should probably draw some concern from people seeing Anthony Lynn rarely covers by more than a touchdown. But based on the team that I saw on Monday night, two weeks ago, they should absolutely be favored by a touchdown in this spot. This is a talented roster. They've got two great receivers. They have a good tight end. They have two backup running backs that are splitting the carries while Eckler is out. They've got a young promising quarterback who is motivated to win games. He hasn't won a football game yet. So what does that say? I mean, this guy's hungry for a win. Definitely going to look at the Chargers in uh, survivor pools. Fading Jacksonville is like fading the Jets, I think, at this point, if you're a survivor person. Uh, I just, I don't know. I like the spot here. I think, and lastly here, I've missed out tremendously on on capitalizing on Bill O'Brien and Dan Quinn before they were fired. I do think Dan 
uh, Doug Marone is a lame duck coach. He could be fired after this week if this loss is humiliating enough. Uh, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to strike while the iron's hot and just shoot my shot and hope that the Chargers pull off a 40 to nothing win and Monday Marone is fired. I like Marone to join Quinn and, and Bill O'Brien on the unemployment line. And that's kind of my handicap there. What do you think, Mr. Marone? I'm in. I'm totally in on that. Um, Jacksonville coming into this game is the 32nd ranked defense uh, based on DVOA. Absolutely worst in the league. And I don't see that changing at all. To me, this is a chance for Herbert to really shine. Totally really agree. Tr- really shine. Yeah. If Monday night game wasn't, this is, <laughs> I mean, what better opportunity Monday night than this? It's like this guy could be a star after this week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish the line had been six and a half here and would have been a no brainer, but seven and a half, I'll take my chance and I'll go with the uh, chargers here. Yep. They're giving us no give me's this week. This is the no give me week. Yep. Yep. Buck up, put the leather boots on and just face it. And that's what I'm doing with my two picks. I don't like the hook in either situation, but guess what? Hey, go forward and only forward. No gimme's. We're putting everything out here. Uh, you got full agreement from me. I'm, I'm loving this pick. I debated making this my key pick as well. You're getting a healthy Chargers team and a lackluster, dead, walking Jacksonville team. I mean, you, you I throw, nailed everything. Can I throw out a little concept here? You've heard my Indi- Indianapolis uh, kind of hatred over the last couple of weeks. You know where I sit with them. This is just boiling in my brain as we're talking through the handicaps here. Without Tennessee, is the AFC South just the NFC East? Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, I do not like that division at all. I don't like at all. Like besides Tennessee, that is a, just a disastrous division. You've got a Houston situation, which we went over. Jacksonville's terrible. Indianapolis, I just, I mean, I don't know. That offense is so, and I know they threw a bunch of yards against Cincinnati, but I'm still so off on that team. I don't care what they do. Yep. All right. That's full agreement. So Mr. Model, why don't you take it away with your key pick? Yeah. So for my key pick this week, I am taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus two and a half against the Las Vegas Raiders. Love this pick. Love this pick for a variety of reasons. Uh, Reason number one, the line has already moved uh, in the market. So this is actually up to minus four in some places for Tampa Bay, minus three and a half in most other places. Uh, I suspect that's largely based on the COVID news coming out about the Raiders offensive line um, possibly being exposed to COVID and having to either one, take a couple days off of practice or have to sit out the game entirely. Still a lot of uncertainty there. So we're not sure how that's going to play out. I also think just in general. So my second reason, this Tampa Bay team is just significantly better than this uh, Vegas team. Um, When I look at DVOA, Tampa Bay is ranked number one overall for anyone in the league. Their offense is ranked seventh. Their defense is ranked first. What? Yep. So they're ranked number all. This is based on uh, priors. So like power rankings going into the season and then for the first six weeks. Um, So give me a guess. If you had one guess, where would you put Vegas? 17. They're ranked. I would guess. Yeah, I would probably guess around that area. I was going to go with like 17 or 15, something like middle. Yeah. Back. They're ranked 22nd in Ooh. DVOA. Ooh. They have the six best offense based on rank right now in DVOA. Their defense is 31st second to last in the league based on the first five games, as well as priors coming into the season. 
to me, this is like a gift of minus two and a half. This is going to be my key pick this week. I am all in. I usually don't like uh, Tampa to, to go with, but for me, I just couldn't say no, and I'm going to go with them for my key pick this week. What do you think, Coulter? Full agreement, and as I had preluded with my other best bet, this is the other one that I was flirting with. And this is the only, I should mention in our pool, the literally the only generous line of the entire week where we're not getting F by the field goal. I love that it's under the field goal. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think John Gruden not to focus first on the COVID thing, but I think it is really important to the handicap. I don't know if John Gruden is necessarily the best coach to guide a team through this weird COVID week that the Raiders are about to get it, uh, ensnared in uh, no offense alignment. They're losing their best defensive player practice today in the middle of their preparation for, as the model just alluded to, one of the best football teams in the league. Um, I don't see how Derek Carr outperforms Tom Brady in this one. Brady has got to still be max motivated. I know that they won by 28 last week, and he had his little like uh, parade around Aaron Rodgers, but like it wasn't necessarily like a Tom Brady classic, if that makes any sense. This is a Raiders defense that, as again, the model alluded to, he can pick apart with his two new toys and finally show everybody why he went to Tampa Bay. It's more than just that defense, which has been incredible, but it's also because he wants to throw a bunch of touchdowns, and I think he's going to be able to do so against Vegas. It's similar to that Chargers and Jaguars game. I just I feel like this game gets really out of hand quickly. And I just don't see it in a world where Vegas keeps it close or even can mount a comeback. I think this is a Tampa Bay defense. That's like an anaconda. I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't come up back against them last week. Why is Derek Carr going to, or yeah, why is Derek yeah. Carr going to come back against them? If Tampa Bay goes up in this game by two scores, if it's 24, 10, good night. Um, I love the combination of Arians and, and uh, Todd Bowles. I think I'd said that in the preseason. I think they're the best combo of offensive and defensive minds. And the model just laid it out. The proof is in the pudding. The offense is clicking. The defense is clicking. Tampa's a good team. Full agreement for me. Uh, I probably would not have made this my key pick before this COVID news. I think that definitely changes things. You're losing offensive linemen. You're potentially losing starters uh, on defense. That just has an impact on the game. It does. So I, I, I like that. As it's a already up to model two in real time. We should tell our listeners. Yeah. So that, some value there. That right. line moving big time. It's going to get up. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you here. I, there's The only thing, the only thing I'm going to be a contrarian is slight little thing for people to, to consider here is we saw the Saints in a very similar situation a few weeks ago going into Las Vegas. And I think everyone was on the Saints. And Vegas came out and not just covered, they won outright. So my only little thing there is just maybe yeah, something's number, up with Vegas. Number one rated defense in the league versus where's New Orleans, Mr. Model, on that um, list? 25th? Yep. While you look it up, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> something to think about. Wow, this this surprises me. So they're, the New Orleans defense is currently ranked 8th <laughs> Come on. Okay. in DVOA. Okay. Okay. No way. That yeah, doesn't make way. sense to me either, but <laughs> how many 30 point games have they allowed? They allowed 30 to the Packers, Chargers, and the Raiders. That is that just made me laugh. Get out of town. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our, our six picks. Now, before we let everyone go, late entry into the episode, new segment. Okay. And it's a game that we're stuck on. It's it's a don't overthink a game. It's it's don't make a mistake game. And Coulter, you take this away here because you gave uh, you came up with the great pop culture reference for the title of this segment. Yeah, we're going to call this one the six calls to Nikki. And it's just the 
<laughs> it's just when you're stuck, basically. There's a no-win situation. Uh, you're either going to call the girl that you just met at the bar or you're going to remain single and hate yourself. So you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you're most likely going to make the worst decision, which is call the girl six times. Hi, uh, Nikki. This is Mike. I met you at the um, at the Dresden uh, tonight. Uh, I just called to, to say that I had a great time, and you should call me tomorrow or in uh, two, two days, uh, whatever. Uh, and hate yourself for it even more than being single. So really it's just a... Uh, a catch 22, right? Joseph Heller yep. wrote a book about this. It said it in world war two and you know, the geniuses that are, uh, Vince Vaughn and, uh, John Favreau kind of reinvented the wheel in, in Las Vegas and uh, Los Angeles, uh, you know, 35 plus years later, but six calls to Nikki, the game of the week is the uh, two undefeated teams, Steelers and Titans. We have the Steelers going to uh, Tennessee. They are favorited, uh, in our pool. Uh, they are now actually a, plus one dog uh if uh aaron had put a little note in our document so that line is moving uh, this one is just go- driving me insane it, both of these teams if you look at their schedule have played tennessee has played some of the worst defenses in the league and have just massacred them and maybe they're bad defenses because they played tennessee and then the sealers have played some of the most abysmal offenses in the entire league and maybe those maybe those offenses are rated so poorly because they played pittsburgh it's really hard to tell uh, how good the Titans are, how good the Steelers are, and how bad their strength of schedule is. Is it a product of playing these two behemoths, or is it something somewhere in the middle? Yeah, this is this is a no-win pick for me. We're picking it because it's in our pool. I'm sitting right now on Tennessee. I, I think I, I like getting points here. To me, those teams are very closely matched. A home dog getting points in our pool. I, I know you mentioned, Coulter, the line shifted, so now uh, you know Tennessee's favored here, but it's so close for me that I'm just going to take the team that's getting points. That's my only handicap on this one. What do you think, Mr. Model? I've struggled this one too. I'm right now I'm on Pittsburgh. I've, uh, I felt like I've been locked in on them. I don't love that the line has opened it as with Pittsburgh as favorites and has shifted as much. That means it's, I'm missing something that maybe the market is, is seeing. I'm actually seeing this line all the way up to Pittsburgh now at plus one or one and a half plus one and a half. So it's continuing to move and make Tennessee an even bigger favorite? Well, well, I think what you're seeing or not seeing is what you actually are seeing, and it's what nobody wants to admit, but I'll just say it for all three of us. Ryan Tannehill is a top five NFL quarterback in 2020. <laughs> wow. I'll just say Which it is unbelievable. Us. Okay. Yeah. I did it for us. It's all right. <laughs> if, if you add that factor in, it makes sense that Tennessee is getting money. Because if you're, ba- you're basically saying Aaron Rodgers is Tennessee's quarterback, and if that's the truth, Tennessee is one damn good football team. Yeah. I just can't Listen, see it. I'm going to do a little quick comparison of teams that they've played common opponent. And it just so happens to be my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. Pittsburgh was pretty bad against us. I was unimpressed with them when they played Denver. I thought the Broncos could just have won that game on the road after a tough Monday night game. Horrible, horrible spot for us that we could have won without our quarterback. Lock got hurt that game. We didn't have Sutton, all sorts of problems. And we still could have won counter week one Tennessee comes into mile high terrible place to play in week one for every team in the league they kick the crap out of us they would they should have won that game by at least 10 uh Gostowski misses three kicks and an extra point and quite frankly that was the worst that Tennessee's looked all year they've only gotten better every single game since and that was probably their worst spot and they still would have won by 10 points and covered the spread I think Tennessee is a sleeping giant I think this might be like the best team in the league when it's all said and done I still have KC as my number one my number one in the AFC but I don't know. Tennessee, 
they're doing something to me. They're transfixing me. And that, yeah. you know, it's their crappy division too. I feel like they're going to just go six and zero, and they're going to have a beefed up record when it's all said and done. Cause they're going to have games against Jacksonville and Houston. And I don't see how Indianapolis can keep up with this team quite frankly. Yeah. That's why I'm very intrigued by this game. Cause we're going to see who's for real. I think we know the Steelers are for real. We, we know the Titans are for real, but if one team gets blown out here, that might change the way people are going to look at them moving forward. Whether that changes your bets down the road or what we'll see. But um, I think you've got to ride the transcendent player too, right? Yeah. Derek Henry, right? I mean, come on. I mean, there's only one transcendent player in this game and I know Pittsburgh has a bunch of amazing defensive guys and I'm not trying to say they're not transcendent. I think Fitzpatrick, I think Watt, uh, I think Hayward, I think all those guys are great, but great is great. And then there's guys who I think I said this earlier in the pot. I just let it slip out of my tongue and I didn't even realize I did it. I compared Derek Henry to Michael Jordan. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's a once in a generation talent. And I don't think people are giving him his respect. I mean, we all know Michael Jordan, but yeah, but we all know how much of a bruiser he is and how much people hate tackling him. But then you see last week, guy rips off a 98 yard touchdown and just outruns corners at 200 they're, they're listing him at 250. I'm I'm going to guess he's closer to 265. It's yeah. impressive. <laughs> and you you hit on this earlier. I think Rabel's really come into his own. I mean, you can't underestimate the fact that you have a, a quarterback that is just skyrocketing up the quarterback power rankings. And you have a coach who's really coming into his own as a coach. And we know that Tomlin has been spotty in the past. He's done a great job over the last two years. I'll eat every bad word I've ever said about Mike Tomlin. He navigated tremendously last year without Roethlisberger and he's done a stellar job this year, but man, I think Rabel is really, this guy could be like a, could be a top three coach in the league for all we know. Yeah. I don't want to put that on him right away, but he's definitely lingering in the top 10 right now. He's yeah. like probably nine or 10 for me. It's going to be really fun to watch uh, that, that much. I know for sure. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't put, oops, put this game into uh prime time, but Hey, all right. Well, I guess we only got one crossfire this week, boys. That's kind of lame, but Mr. Model, I can't wait to take 10 extra bucks from you, my friend. <laughs> uh, not going to happen. <laughs> well, boys, I can't, put, was... I can't put 10 on Jimmy G. Unfortunately, I do like San Fran, but I'm not going to put 10 on Jimmy G. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> All right, guys. Phenomenal episode. Episode number 83 in the books, and we will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money, and you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.